This is a car show, but it's also more, because cars connect us to every part of our lives. Families, careers, hobbies, and adventures we never expected. So you should have a car you love, and we're here to help. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We have reached that place that we all dreamed about. We did. Aren't we excited we for flying cars? Oh, you're right. Flying. Just, uh, yes. uh, yeah, of course. It's coming Finally. tomorrow. I mean, it's been coming tomorrow for like my entire life. It's been coming tomorrow for 100 years. That's true. That's true. Ford yeah. abandoned things in the 1930s. Like they had investigated <laughs> flying cars in the 1920s. See, once they started making lots of cars and lots of things that flew, people were like, we can make a flying car. And it's always been like coming soon. If, if you look up prototypes of flying cars, it's amazing how far back they go. But this year at CES, it was time <laughs> for flying cars. There is the Supernal SA2 electric air taxi. Mm -hmm. It is the successor after the SA1. Yes, the SA2. The this SA2. is actually, this one stretches the credulity of the word car. This is a multi-propeller pod. I mean, they're all multi-propeller things. Yes. But they're yeah, like yeah, drones the, you what, can ride in. What we're, what we're selling is flying car. The car definition is being stretched <laughs> really thin on many of these. Keep going. This is the electric air taxi backed by Hyundai Motor, supposedly entering the market in 2028. Uh-huh. Haven't we heard a lot about big splashy thing, whether it's just cars in general or mm -hmm. flying cars? It's supposed to come by this year. We'll yep. see. We'll check mm -hmm. back in yes, 2028. And then the Xpeng, or I think it's Xiaopeng, Aerot modular flying car with the land aircraft carrier. It's a six-wheel aircraft oh. carrier. Well, it's it's the SUV, mm -hmm. the, the pickup truck that you land this thing in. So you yeah. can, if it, it's a flying car... It's why? essentially, you, you fly around in your drone and you land it in your car, and we've tried to tell you it's a flying car. I submit to you, pieces of this fly... And pieces of this drive. This is like Legos and G.I. Mm -hmm. Joe from my childhood. It, <laughs> it converts to be, we all know how much you like things that convert. Yeah, it oh. goes on. There's also the uh, Leo Coupe by Leo Flight. Fully electric hypercar with a glass floor. Did you look at their website? Did you look at this? I, I have looked at it a little bit. I want to contrast that with the Helix one-person eVTOL, which is essentially, I created a little cockpit and I strapped a bunch of drone motors to it. Uh -huh. And you don't need a license, which I admit I am equal parts fascinated and horrified. The flyer in me is like, when can I have one? The realist and father and husband in me is like, I'm not going anywhere near that. Yeah, but the Leo Coupe has a ballistic recovery parachute, so you should feel all better. It well, should just make things all better for $459,000. It better make things all better for $460,000. This, I mean, ballistic parachute idea has been in this, like the Cirrus aircraft. They're very cool. Yeah, they were. If everything they fails, work, yeah. you get this parachute uh, that lands you. Of course, it's you've destroyed fun, the vehicle. Though. No, no, it's not something you want to go through. I mean, your car has airbags. You don't ever want to experience airbags. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's an explosive device in your face. It's, it's a selling point, but it's that, not a that's, plus. It's <laughs> nice and all. Then there's the City Hawk Air Taxi by Urban Aeronautics. Which I have to say is the ugliest vehicle I've ever seen, and I have seen beaver teeth. Pretty ugly. I'm just saying. That is really, really heinous. Yeah. I realize taxis don't have to be attractive, but dang. Then there's uh, the old ones that have been around for a few years. Mm, mm. Archer Aviation and Joby Aviation and the Embraer's Eve Air Mobility. Mm. Those are the ones that were less than 10 years ago. Like, eh. They were at CES's long, long, long ago. Like last year. Yes, uh-huh. I didn't know something called the Vertical Flight Society existed. 
VTOL.org. .org, because it's a public service. You can become a member. It, it, it's a public service for I your vertical no idea. takeoff and landing, yes. More concepts from CES included cars, and Honda did reveal two new EV concepts. One is called the Saloon, representing a bold new direction for Honda. This production vehicle is expected to launch in North America in 2026. We shall see. Mm. But didn't anybody at the Honda Design Studio see the 1990 movie Total Recall? With Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm. with that stupid Johnny Cab thing that Arnold rode around in. Remember, it was the automated Johnny Cab. Welcome to Johnny Cab. That'll You're be 18 right. credits. That was the inspiration. It looks like the fifth generation Johnny Cab. Johnny Cab in Total Recall was All the right. first one, and then we haven't seen because they didn't make any. <laughs> Two, three, four. <laughs> okay. Lasting right. however many years. And yep. now this is the fifth generation of the Johnny Cab, including the doors, including the headlight design. Didn't anybody at the design studio realize, or maybe they did, maybe that was the inspiration. Like, you know, Johnny Cab, I think 1990, they had <laughs> that's, that. Let's just that's something smooth we should have done. the surfaces out a little bit. You know, I am looking at Johnny Cab images online right how now. How wrong I am, am I? I'm a little horrified at how correct you are. That's really... <laughs> Yeah, you know Sharon Stone was in that movie? Oh, she was? Yeah, Sharon Stone was in that film. Anyway, but Johnny Cab. Uh, I, I actually forget that the move that movie's nuances at the moment. But anyway, she, yeah. She was, I'm pretty sure she was she double crossed. She was crossed the bad him. girl, right? She was she was like posing as the wife and double crossed That's kind right. Of thing she was the double crossing yeah, wife. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, oh moving on. That's also been thin things like Truman Show, but we're moving on. <laughs> the point is Johnny Cab and this flying monstrosity do look like actually this isn't this one isn't flying, but look like it's supposed to. This is the Honda Saloon, also with the new the new Honda Oval logo. Uh-huh. Oh. You've seen this, the Honda yes, One, yes. where we're taking an H and we're trying to make it into a circle, which, you know what? Looks I, like an O. I, I applaud them for the effort because that was, somebody got that design brief and went, you want to do what now? It's because it's Honda Zero. It's I Zero, know. Honda Zero, I everything's know. Zero. Mm-hmm. It's all Zero. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. We're celebrating the new year with new products from our friends at Grio's Garage. Wintertime means you might be stuck inside, but you can still clean your car with ceramic rinseless wash. It lifts dirt, grime, and contaminants and leaves behind a ceramic shield that enhances water beating and self-cleaning ability. But if you're getting out the hose, Griot's now offers car wash pods. Just like the pods you use for a clothes washer, drop one of these in your wash bucket for the perfect amount of soap. These car wash pods even work with foaming sprayers and foam cannons too. Or if your winter project has faded trim, and many of them do, try the Satin Finish Ceramic Trim Restorer that renews those old trim pieces and is even good for tires. Plus, there's plastic all-in-one to remove fine scratches and swirl marks and restore dull plastic surfaces. Just remember, all Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code DRIVER10 for 10% off everything on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Our first debate is from Kyle B. in Columbia, South Carolina. Kyle loves Subarus. You know, I read that title and I thought, okay, that's good to know. And then I read this email and I thought, I think love undersells it. I think it does. (laughs) I think think it undersells it. Out of the 41 cars that Kyle sent to us on his list of cars he's owned. By the way. 41. 
Kyle is 23. And he's only I, 23 I don't want you old. to think I've had 41 cars in my 60 years. Right. Since he started buying cars at the age of 15, <laughs> he is now the ripe old age of 23. Hello, Kyle. Thank you for listening. Seven years, 41 cars. Out of those 41 cars, 22 of them have been Subarus. I'm noting a trend. I think this is mm-hmm. a Guinness record of some sort. It, it, and I don't think it's one you should be proud of. I think, <laughs> I, I think that is, uh, that's kind of shocking, to be honest. That's amazing. Kyle, thank you for your email. Thank you for following. He's been following for almost 10 years. So that's you realize great. since he couldn't drive. Since he couldn't drive, which we love that. That's awesome. He started with Hot Wheels. He moved into Need for Speed, Fast and Furious, Forza, and much more. His dad likes cars and taught Kyle basics as to how to take care of them. But Kyle's love for cars surpasses his dad's. He's a huge Subaru enthusiast, and his dream car is a 2011 to 2014 WRX STI hatch. He's wanted one since middle school, which means he's wanted one since he was probably 13. Right around the time he found this show. Now, we, we did a piece years ago now where we put what was at that time the current STI versus the last dying breath of the Subaru, uh, pardon me, the Mitsubishi Evo X mm-hmm. and the prior Subaru STI, which was this 11 to 14 WRX STI wagon that he likes so much. It is a very cool gin. I think it's interesting, though, that you are a person whose dream car is that car. Your dream car is not a Porsche or a Lamborghini or a Ferrari or right, any exotic right. you've ever heard of. It is a 2011 to 2014 WRX STI hatch. Kyle's keeping it real. He is, for sure. Now, many of these 41 cars that he's owned were trades or flips, most of them modified or repairs done by Kyle. And through all of this, he's had a very limited budget, which means that many of these vehicles needed repairs and maintenance that might have hindered him getting to enjoy or experiencing Mm -hmm. them in the way they should be. For example, many of the WRXs were higher mileage, so he was afraid to push them hard due to not having funds to replace a motor or otherwise. Mm. I stopped counting Miatas that you've owned. But many of them, likely, he said, had worn suspension bushings that altered the handling performance. He did get to take one of his Miatas to tail the Dragon last year. He had an absolute blast. He grew up in Charleston, so his most spirited driving is dodging potholes on local highways. Everything count, is flat and boring. I count seven Miatas. Yeah, I stopped NAs, counting. NAs or NBs. As we can see, as everyone can see, Kyle, you have a problem. Yes, and we welcome it. We, we, we encourage it. Absolutely. We, just, we, think, we think it might need some honing. <laughs> In the meantime, he feels like he needs help. He is yes. now happily married with a two-year-old boy, a little girl on the way. Oh, wow. Rear-facing car seats are in the future for yeah, quite for some sure. time. Kyle, congratulations on your growing family. His wife drives a 2012, guess what, Subaru Outback. What, really? A Subaru? I, huh. I, everybody's shocked. This does most of the family hauling. Okay. And their little boy comes with Kyle in the Mini Cooper to Cars and Coffee. Love it. But otherwise, he doesn't have a need for back seats. They're necessary in case of emergency or if the Outback ever, quote, fails to proceed. Mm. If the Outback fails to proceed, the Mini Cooper's <laughs> rear seats are surprisingly accommodating for the size of the car. However, they're obviously difficult to access. Mm-hmm. So he's looking for something five to $7,000 range. Once they outgrow the Mini Cooper S, so no higher, financing is not an option at this time. So five to seven grand, mm. that's at least semi-reliable and can be worked on by Kyle. He loves wagons, he loves hatchbacks, but not required. He prefers JDM, but he's had a few Euro cars. And by few, I've counted two. They're mm-hmm. a Volkswagen GTI and a Volkswagen Jetta. And now this Mini. And I suppose the Mini. The yes. Mini is I the only the other one on the category. Yes, but, yes right. but he did say that he's actually found the Mini not nearly as bad to work on as he feared. I don't know if that's a plus. <laughs> 
I he went in guess. scared and he's found it not that bad. But anyway, he prefers a manual, obviously wants something fun. MPG would be great, but it's not in the requirement. The back seat is the key thing here because we are talking about rear-facing child seats. We are talking about two kids, and we're talking about this being a backup family car. So as much as I want to recommend something else to seat to you, that really is out. Kyle is not opposed to returning the Subaru. Really? Really? In the form huh. of a legacy GT wagon mm. or a WRX hatchback. He's also not opposed to holding on to the Cooper S that he currently has and has enjoyed. But he's open to new things, except he's not. Yeah. You noticed that, did you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. He doesn't love Honda or the Honda crowd, and he apologizes to everyone, but it is what it is, he writes. He's had a couple Hondas, but that's a side note. Anyway, yeah. Absolutely no muscle cars. He doesn't like big cars. He doesn't like SUVs or trucks. And he wishes us good luck. He says, I'm probably forgetting other things I don't like. (laughs) But good luck, guys. Uh huh. If that's not enough, he writes, what do we think he should try in the $15,000 to $20,000 range, possibly after the STI hatch? Mm. He's pondered the next-gen WRX, 2015 to 2022, because those prices have come down to almost match the 2011 to 2014 WRX prices. Okay. If you can get the car that you've been wanting. Mm Mm-hmm. That WRX hatch, if you can get it, mm-hmm. I don't think they're five to seven thousand dollars. They're not yet. That that that's the thing. He's going to be in the fifteen grand range or so for those cars. Fifteen twenty I mean, probably. Yeah. We encourage you to buy the car mm-hmm. that you've written about. Whatever it doesn't matter if it's Subi or Porsche Agreed. or Lotus Agreed. or whatever. Yes. You've written about the car. You have our permission, but that's not in your budget. I also feel like Kyle, that is your poster car. Mm-hmm. And until you've owned that car for a while, I don't think you're going to be able to move on from having always wanted one. So Since I want you're you, in a bit of a rut, yeah, I want maybe you, it's more like a it, trench. It's, it's too, <laughs> soon it's going to be a canyon. The point, the point here is I, I do want you to set your sights on getting that era of WRX because I think you need to have that life experience. But I also want you to have that life experience because I really do want you to move on from Subaru. But I'm having a theory here. Okay. You're a young guy. Newly formed. You're a young guy without a ton of budget for these cars. And you're flipping a lot of them, making probably a little bit of money here and there. You talked about how you you buy them, you build them up, you sell them again. You're probably making a little bit of money in that process. My guess is you haven't owned anything that is very nice or even worth a whole Mm. lot. Mm. And Subarus, WRXs, STIs, great example. They feel a bit rough around the edges when they are new. And that's not a downside, but they feel a bit rough around the edges when they are new. That's that's a likable quality. Exactly. Now that they get cheaper, if you know how to make them run, and you do because you've worked on so many and you've had so many, they continue to have that same kind of rough around the edges, brawler demeanor when they're cheaper. Mm-hmm. Other mm-hmm. cars, when they're cheaper, don't maintain their goodness. Just feel cheaper. They just feel cheaper. <laughs> and, and I'm worried that you have found yourself loving Subarus And you've missed out on other opportunities because you're operating at this very high mileage, very low budget level. So while I agree with Paul's point that I think you need to have that STI in your life at one point, I'm also wondering if you need to just hang on to this Mini Cooper, hang on to the the family outback, and just be there for a while until you have more budget to buy something 10 grand and above. Because I'm worried about you staying in this perpetual cycle of trading out cars regularly, all of which didn't cost much, all of which are high mileage, all of which are beat down, all of which need stuff. I think it's giving Mm. you an incorrect perception of these cars you're going through. Now, Mm. it may be a side business is making you money, so you need to keep doing it. Maybe that's the motivator. But I think you're finding cars on the back of their life, and I think you're not understanding some of the things they could be good at. That's a great point. And you know what? As we're talking here, Kyle, I feel like you deserve our thanks. 
I feel mm. like everyone listening needs to thank you for kind of saving cars, saving the good ones. Mm, mm. You, that's what you're doing. I mean, your list is long. It's a lot of similarities. Some Hondas sprinkled in there, a couple of Volkswagens, the Minis, all the Miatas, 22 Subarus. <laughs> but you're yeah. keeping them running. You're, you're yeah, flipping true. or trading. So on one hand, yes, thank you. But there's this other part that you admitted you're not enjoying any of them. Mm. You discovered Miatas later. Yeah. Because you were afraid to push them hard, to drive them hard, yeah. and not having the ability, the, the roads nearby to do it. Well, yeah, you, you haven't been able to experience this. So I want you to, whatever the next car is, I don't want it to be looked at as a flip or a mm -hmm. trade or a, it's coming to my life and it's going right back out as soon as I need money or as soon as I'm mm -hmm. done with a project or whatever. I like your idea about hanging on to the Mini because it's a great car. It's yeah, a and you're enjoying car. it. You know how it runs. It does what it needs to do for you. Because if I suggest to you, hmm, let's stick with that five to $7,000 budget. It's a Saab 92X. But that's just mm. another Subaru. <laughs> I actually didn't put that on my list. I have others on my list, but I didn't put that on my list. But because you're right. You're absolutely what works right. Yes. For something mm -hmm. different, it's you know it. It's in your price range. I'm really trying to stick to your price range. But every other car that's in that price range are things you've already had. You've had yeah. multiples of. Well, and, I, and I'm worried. I have some other ideas for you, Kyle, but I'm worried that you're just going to keep getting things that disappoint and you're going to stay in this cycle. I don't think your habit's going to change. I mean, that's not a bad thing, but it's not going to change until you get the next Subi hit. The Subi Possibly. Fix. Well, th that's, this is where that 11 to 14 S STI is something he has to own at some point. But once you do, are you going to really hang on to it? Is that the pinnacle car? I know you want it badly, but do you see yourself owning it longer than eight months? It's a great question. Not with I've his history. I've had it. And I'm just feeling the urge. I feel that need. Well, but I also wonder along these lines is, Kyle, I don't want you to buy the worst one of those because it's the only one you can afford. When you get to right. the 11 to 14 Subaru STI, I want you to buy one that the minute you buy it, you can drive it as hard as possible. Because right. if not, now you've taken your poster car and you haven't fully experienced that either, which brings the, up the question <laughs> when you finally get one. Because keep in mind, that car is already 10 years old. Yeah. The nicest one out there is 10 years old. Yeah. If you get one of those and it needs stuff, how much money do you want to spend on that car, which you've probably stretched to get into, to get it running like you'd like so you can really experience what it is? I, here's a weird question I have for you, Kyle, a weird challenge for you. I have cars that fit your budget, that I think fit your needs that I want to list. But before that, I have some serious drive homework for you. Oh, good. And that drive homework is not shopping homework. This is you going to local cars and coffee and talking to car buddies and doing whatever you can to get yourself in three specific cars. Okay. Ideally driving them, but even riding along matters. Okay. All right. A new as possible Toyota GR86. That's good. Yeah. The brand new GR Corolla. You like hatches that are all-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And a Civic Type R 10th or 11th gen. You don't like Hondas. Those cars are amazing. A 10th <laughs> or 11th gen Civic Type R. Find someone that has one. Find someone that will allow you to either drive it in anger or sit right seat while they drive it in anger on a decent road. That's good. Because you, your, your life experience, I love your car obsession, Kyle. I love it. And I, I appreciate that you're listening to us and you're asking us this question. Yeah. yeah. But you, you've had a lot of experience in one corner of car culture. And that is cars of higher mileage, lower price, most of them Subarus. I feel like you are having for Subaru what I did for Caprice Classics. 
That's oh what my, I feel like. Oh my gosh, when you put it like my that. My family owned other cars, but we always had at least one Caprice Classic in the driveway. That was the reference point. That was the, we got to come back home now. And it wasn't until <laughs> right. I got out of a Caprice Classic that I started, and I'd always been a car person, but I started to really understand the breadth of what was out there in cars. We always, as a family, we always had Caprice Classics and the cheapest car my dad could find that met our needs. Whole bunch of Jaguar E-types. No, we didn't. That was, that was <laughs> he got out of that. I anyway, know, I wish know. he would have kept them. <laughs> but we had a lot of cheap cars, mostly GM. Mm-hmm. And most of them were not bought in best condition, and they were not maintained that well. And that was my enti- as a guy that loved cars. That was my entire life experience. Once I, it wasn't until I got married, and my wife drove a Ford Explorer when we got married. Oh my god! I had a two door Ford Explorer manual transmission <laughs> that I inherited from her because when we got married, her parents got her a Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> these, these were our two cars. And right there, it was oh like total gosh, record goodness. scratch of different car experience. And then from there, it just exploded. But my point, Kyle, is I want to get you out of that life experience. GR86, GR Corolla, Civic Type R, 10th or 11th gen, get in those cars one way or another. You're not buying them. They're out of your price range. I just want to recalibrate different ideas. That's really excellent. Kyle, I've got another road for you to pursue, at least consider. I like all the cars that are on your list. Mazdas, Miatas, Volkswagen, Subarus. They all have their merit. And I agree with Todd. They've all been at the lower end of the price range. I do think you need to hang on to the Mini, save your money for that fifteen dollars to $20,000 price range. Mm-hmm. Maybe a touch more because it is me. <laughs> but because you are saving cars, I feel like all of the older BMWs need saving. Mm. Those inline six engines are absolutely magic. Those older BMW cars, not SUVs, the cars, they're, yeah. s- they're smaller. Yeah. That's when BMW advertised the ultimate driving machine. Mm-hmm. You remember mm-hmm. that whole camp? That lasted for decades. Small cars. We, we took our family sedan, the, the little kind of Euro compact, and we made it into an M3. <laughs> yeah. And you can buy one. Yeah. And it's the ultimate driving machine. That era of cars. And I'm looking at one in particular. It is the E36 M3, like a 1995. I went looking. Now, because of condition and mileage, prices vary wildly. From I found some in the $18,000 to $25,000 range. I found real nice ones at $46,000. But there's a wide swath of those cars. I've always had affection Mm. for those cars because that was, to me, like peak BMW. BMW doing a modern kind of look mm. with the next generation of BMW, but still really tied to its roots. Okay. okay. It's like, we want to be modern. They're, they're not the E30s, sure. which just feel old. They're cool, but they're just old. Fair, fair, fair. This is still like a modern kind of a car. They're, well, 95 or 30 years old now, which I can't but, believe. But I take your point, yeah. Still, but they're the, the price is very wildly. And I'm looking particularly at the M3s because of that engine, because mm. of the... The wheels, the car, the colors that that came in, that was just such like obtainable. It was very iconic. Yeah. BMW. Yeah. Remember that yellow? The yes. The yellow, the Estro yes. blue the car came mm-hmm. in? That gorgeous red with the multi-spoke wheels. Yeah. The 97 four-door E36 in that copper color that I absolutely love. Okay. I see where you are. Yeah. I mean, BMW was doing amazing colors, this amazing little compact, hot, Sports car. 90s to early 2000s BMW is the peak. Their stuff was so good, yeah. What if you sort of gravitated towards that? 
what if you started investigating that era of BMW? They need saving. Mm. The old ones, the ratty ones, there's no reason to junk them. And then you can decide parts for the BMW or do the kids eat? <laughs> do the kids eat now? Do the kids go to college? Do they? Separate, separate problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shoes. You can you can put duct tape on those shoes. It's, it's okay. I'll just, I'll carry you to the car. You don't need shoes. But the BMW is running this week. So let's go. As we investigated our icon film, when we mm-hmm. did that film, yeah, yeah. this was before COVID, obviously. This is yeah, before the, yeah. the spike in price of cars. But people who were in the E36 world had said, you know what? They're not as bad as you think they are to, to work on, to wrench mm-hmm, on, to get mm-hmm. parts. I don't know where things stand now. I, I really don't. I haven't yeah, looked at them, yeah. into them for a while, but I just, I liked all those E36. I was thinking about that 2012 E92 335 IS, our favorite one. Yeah. Those are still kind of expensive, but well, I mean, they're like 2025, somewhere in there. If yeah. you higher mileage, but I've always liked the BMWs from those eras because yeah, you, you, have to maintain them but mm-hmm. once you do they just seem to run they just work your z4 uh, z4 yeah 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 it always shocked me and that was like thrashed and beat on yes it absolutely. just freaking ran it's like uh-huh and yeah you're right it's a good point it was it was like this peak bmw magic era that mm, i mm. if you want to investigate euro cars because yeah you've had some euro cars but a jenna a, a mini that's not really representative yeah. of I, I hear your point euro yeah. magic and it's I good. want you to experience ultimate driving machine BMW from when they claimed it was ultimate driving machine BMW. That's really good. Uh, Kyle, real quick, I'm going to give you a, a few cars that you have not owned, <laughs> as far as I can tell from your list. That's a tough that list. That are to actually meeting your criteria and your budget. First off, I'm going to do a total shot across the bow. I admit this because you are a Subaru guy. You know what you could get for this kind of money? Subaru guy. A Mitsubishi Lancer Rally Art. Oh, my gosh. Oh my God. You like your WRXs, do you? Let's get the Pepsi to your Coke. Let's do that. Now, the problem is you're probably not going to be able to, they're, they're harder to find with the manual. By the way, all these cars I'm listing because of the budget we're talking about, they're all older cars, well over 100,000 miles. That's that's what this budget gets us, okay? That just is. But Mitsubishi Lancer Rally Art, believe it or not, I actually still love those cars. In spite of the fact that I had one that promptly blew its engine, I still love those cars. So that's that's out there. <laughs> Veloster Turbos are in this price point. That's pretty First good, First-gen Veloster Turbos, yeah, those yeah. are pretty cool. Those are out there. Those are like 2014, 2015. That's not that old. That's, yeah, a, that's an option. Yeah, yeah. A Fiesta ST or Focus ST. Now, we're talking Mm. about the higher mileage examples, but those are out there for this budget. Tell us the story again about how much the transmission fluid cost for the rally art. Tell us that campfire story. It was, uh, yeah, it was like $100 a gallon if that was for the crazy DCT (laughs) that that car had. That's why you want the manual, among among many other reasons. Get the manual. Gold flakes in it? I think it was. Yeah. Uh huh. When you consider what milk costs (laughs) and what this costs, like, what did you make this up? Anyway, yeah, get, get the manual. Anyway, Fiesta ST, Focus ST is an option. Fiat 500 a BART. Some of the high mileage ah. ones are those are reaching this price point. And the other one that we always loved, the Mazda Speed 3 hatchback. Oh, that has is personality. In this range. That's yeah. a really fun car. So there's five options for you. And then I'm going to show my friend Paul. I'm sorry that the rest of you can't see it. I also found a wild card that Kyle, I'm just sharing it to tease my co-host Paul. Oh, goody. But I did find you a 1979 Euro model Porsche 928. Oh, my God. Currently posted on Hemmings for $7,900. Oh, my gosh. It is black over tan. Oh. The mirror is not on the side anymore. Oh. And the, and the photos get worse. I mean, I just, hmm. there's like, when you go into the photos here, there's like body panels laying next to Does it. Does that have a windshield? It, it looks I, like it doesn't I, have a windshield. I'm not certain. 
to be honest. I don't think that has a windshield. That is without a windshield. That is sans windshield glass, mm. yes. Hey, but you know what? You asked for something with back seats and it some storage space and, and you know something you haven't had. It's a Euro. 1979, <laughs> really in terrible condition, $8,000, 928, Kyle, is the thing to stay away from. Loads of stay personality. Stay away. <laughs> Kyle, wishing you all the best with your search with your driving homework, I, I like your drive homework you recommendation need to, just to experience You need that. to get in some iconic, affordable, relatively affordable. I, look, you can get in a supercar and say, oh, supercars are cool. I'm talking about this stuff is is normal prices affordable and new. I want you to have both of those experiences and, and give yourself frame of reference. I'll put the the Veloster N on that list. If you can find somebody sure. with a Veloster N. Yes, that's a good one too. I, I would add one. that. It yeah, doesn't matter that. what transmission, but at least drive or ride in that thing. Write to us, TV at gmail.com. Car debates, car conclusions, Topic Tuesdays, your list of cars, your list of Subarus. <laughs> We're very excited to announce a new partnership with Battery Tender. If you park your car for any length of time, you need it to start. The last thing you want to hear is the labored whine of a dead battery. That's why you need a Battery Tender battery charger to properly maintain the battery in your vehicle to give it long life and quick starts every time. We're already customers. We use battery tender battery chargers on all of our cars year-round and especially through the snowy winter months of Park City. Since 1965, Deltran Battery Tender has been the leader in battery chargers. Their BTP microprocessor technology and quick connect convenience automatically maintains the batteries in all your vehicles, lead acid, AGM, or lithium. Keep all your batteries in top condition. Visit BatteryTender.com and find the right product for you, including battery chargers, jump starters, inverters, and more. Plus, as our listeners, you can use the code every day to get 10% off your order at BatteryTender.com. Here's another great car debate. This is from Jim writing in about the two-car dream garage. And I admit, this didn't go where I expected. It started <laughs> one direction. It's like, okay, two-car dream garage, we're going to try to find. But what really is happening here is he doesn't need a daily. He's just buying two fun cars and wants them to contrast each other. He and his wife have a recent... Lincoln Navigator, they use the kid hauler. He has a two-door Bronco manual that he says, it's awesome. And a 1993 Ford F-150 that he inherited from his dad. It's in perfect condition, all original. 20 years ago, he received it. That car's not going anywhere. He has the dailies covered. What he's looking for is to have two cars in his garage that he would consider lifetime dream cars, meaning he wants to buy them and keep them indefinitely. And what's interesting about that... Is that how you're that, reading it too? That's how I read L- it. Lifetime. Yes. Lifetime. Dream he wants to buy two cars. cars and they just stay, which means they have to complement each other or contrast each other is kind of how I looked at it. And what's interesting is he currently has a fun car and that is a Long Beach Blue Metallic Manual M2. So it enters the discussion as, do I keep this as the discussion or do I trade it? Jim, thank you for writing. This is interesting. He starts out with his thoughts and they are a bit contrasting. He says, what about a 2006 Viper Coupe in blue? Those, honestly, those are really cool. I've those always cool. liked those. And a 1997 right-hand drive Supra. He dailied a Viper for two summers when he was dating his wife, and he'd love to have one to keep forever. He'd also like a 90s time machine, and the nostalgia of the Supra is high for him. He's 45 years old. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to that pairing. Keep going. He could keep the M2 and get the Viper. Mm-hmm. 
Alternatively, he could get a 72 vet for some old school fun and get the Viper too. You see how he keeps mentioning Viper? Viper's come around again. I don't know if you noticed that. Mm-hmm. He's loved Corvettes since he was five. His dad had a C3 Corvette when he was a kid, and he's had two Z06s, and they bought their son each a hoopty C4 when they were six to get them interested in cars. <laughs> Love it. Okay. He says, I've never had a Porsche, so maybe a 9974S or similar Lotus Evora and the Supra. Help, he writes. Okay. Jim is very fortunate. <laughs> he says he, life has taken him back to a place where he can again look at having two of his dream cars. He would like our opinions. They've got great dailies, and he's looking for two cars that are a different experience and that he has a connection to. Mm. I do have your cars. Good. I have thoughts as well. Jim, I like the Viper idea. I think you like the Viper idea. I mm-hmm. like the connection to when you were dating your wife. Yep. But I don't love the 2006 as much as I love the 1998 Viper GTS in oh, blue. You, you went back. Okay. I went back a okay. generation. All right. I love that more. That to me is peak Viper. That to me is the Viper to have. Mm. I love the sensual curves of yeah, that car. That one is really cool. The I one agree. after that yeah, can yeah. also have be yeah, had yeah. in blue with white yeah. stripes. True. But not quite as cool as the 98, the 97, 98 Viper GTS. I see GTS. where you're at. That is, that is essentially when they f- finally refined the original yeah. convertible only and they kind of tucked, tucked that styling in a bit, made oh. it a coupe, and it looks it does look really great. It's, it's going to age so, really well, too. That is yes. good. So that, I like the Viper, peak Viper there. And I like the Supra. I like your 90s time machine. And I thought, how about a FD Mazda RX-7? How about a Mitsubishi 3000 GT VR4? No. How about the classic? How about a Z? How about a Z32Z? I want to return to all of these conversations, yes. But I'm throwing all that out. So okay. Viper. Good. good, good. And I'm going to peak Honda because I think you should get a first-generation accurate NSX. There's a mm. wide variety of price ranges. That's actually really good. That is peak Honda. That is peak 90s Honda mm-hmm. and peak Viper. Both of those are pinnacles for what those eras of cars were about. That's interesting. And they are a similar era. I see where you're similar at. Similar yeah. era. And both of those I can mm. see keeping forever. That Viper mm. GTS, yeah, you roll that anywhere. But the Acura is a totally different mindset. I think you drive both equally rather than having that 72 vet. Mm-hmm. Because there's always stuff that could go wrong with the vet. And it'll sit and it'll turn into a project car and a money pit. And it'll sit and you won't drive it. And it's not a remarkable vet. It's not I think remarkable. you're going to enjoy I, driving I it. But it's going to be like that, you know, it's July 4th. We should take the vet down to the parade. And then the rest of the time, it just sits in the garage. Yes, I agree. The Viper is one car. I mean, you fire that thing up. Yeah. Burnouts. Mm-hmm. Take the, oh mm-hmm. my gosh. But then over here, different engine. It's a mid-engine car. It screams 90s. It's very classic. It's in high demand. Again, all different price mm-hmm. ranges. Mm-hmm. But you get a late 90s Acura NSX with the late 90s Viper. Peak Viper, Peak Honda. That's my recommendation. You've done great. In fact, you've solved one of the debates I was having, and I'll get into that when we talk about this, Jim. Paul has done this very well. I want to unpack this a little bit differently. First off, I want to go through your current cars. We like the M2. Mm -hmm. We like the M2 in all variants. It's a very impressive car. It's not a forever car. You've asked, about, do I keep this? It's not a forever car. If you're looking for a forever car, like a pinnacle from BMW, 1M, yes, Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got a yeah. 1M in that lava orange. That's one you never get rid of, yeah. That is, okay. If you yeah. said to me, I have a 1M, I'd be like, there's one of your two. Done. But the <laughs> M2 true. the M two is, is not quite a forever car. So I think the M2 goes. I hear you on the Viper when I come back to that. My question is right-hand drive Supra. The only reason I can guess you went right-hand drive is because they're less expensive in the U.S. 
because the left-hand drive are so sought yeah, after. Yeah. The thing is, I, I understand, you know, we're all roughly the same age here. I understand that is an iconic car for our generation, but I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this and somebody's going to keyboard warrior me. The Supra is not as good to drive as the hype. Agreed. And (laughs) I really struggle with encouraging anybody to buy a right-hand drive version of a car they sold here in left-hand drive. (laughs) Because what's going to happen, it's it's that that twice-a-year car. You're going to get in it for the novelty and drive right-hand drive and be like, yeah, and this is going back away. The left-hand drive version, you drive a lot more of whatever. Mm -hmm. So I, I I can never... Have it make any sense in my brain for someone to buy a right-hand drive version of a car that's offered here properly? Okay, <laughs> right. can't make it make sense. So the super, the, the super doesn't compute. Seriously, it hurts my brain. The the super is is great, but it's not as great as the hype suggests. And this is where you enter into other '90s icons. You brought up the 300ZX Z32. That would be absolutely Sweet. worth comparing. The RX7, if it's not going to be a car you drive all the time and you stay on top of the maintenance, I, I might own one of those. <laughs> Replace an engine here But and I there. was thinking about definitive 90s cars, and I thought of the S2000. Oh, that's good, too. Would be another good one. Pecanda. However, all of that comes back to, I think, Paul got this right. You want a definitive 90s time machine? It is the car that revolutionized the car industry, and it is that NSX. I hadn't thought of it, Paul. I think the minute I heard it, I was like, nope, that wins. That wins 90s. Okay? So that that's very, very yeah. good. I also think, Jim, you need a Viper Coupe. I think mm-hmm. you need one because of the history. But I'm going to yeah. give you, if you don't go 90s, because you've been debating, if you've got this Viper, what else goes with it? Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, okay, I want to get you two cars that I think are worth keeping indefinitely, and are opposite. And I went Viper on one side of the garage. Okay. Okay. Just went with the Viper, the, the 2006 it's, that it you seems like, to be a that conclusion. you have history. Yeah. It's the big V10. It's, let's think about it. Bruiser, unique, not for everybody, big front mounted, angry American bomb of an engine, mm-hmm. rear wheel drive, raucous, angry, uncouth. It's That's the Viper. <laughs> so we need to be the opposite of that. Vulgar, okay? yes. outrageous, uh-huh. kind of offensive. So we need to be opposite of that. I've got three options for you, all three of which I think are potentially worth keeping indefinitely and couldn't be more opposite than that Viper. A 1979 928? No, though I can find you a cheap one if you want to do some work. Anyway, picture the Viper just rumbling. It's on. It's idling in the garage. Oh, man. And next to it are one of these three. A 987, so the first gen Porsche Boxster Spider. The 2011 Porsche Boxster Spider. That is a dedicated convertible. It barely has any top at all. You've got the Coupe Viper, and you've got a mid-engine, definitive, small German Porsche. That's a fantastic car. 987 Porsche Boxster Spider. That's fantastic. Or Lotus Elise. Yeah, yeah. Mid-engine, tiny, probably weighs almost half what the Viper does. (laughs) Mid-engine, tiny, amazing car to drive. But I actually think, because the Viper is a little bit older... I thought of a brand new car that is in perfect contrast. MX-5 Miata RF. If you fit. That's good. That has similar body lines in many ways to the Viper. It's the mini-me to the Viper. But is the opposite as far as driving experience. Yes, it is. And it's brand new. And I think the Viper in 20 years, you go, oh, man, it's a Viper. I think the RF in 20 years, you go, oh, man, it's an RF. That's really good, too. I think that is a timeless, classic, definitive car. So those are my three, Viper rumbling over here and something in contrast on the other side Miata of the garage. not rumbling. Not rumbling, <laughs> but in nice contrast. That's excellent contrast. All right, Jim, you've got some deciding to do. You've got some driving to do because 
if you're going to land on either of these cars, I mean, you know what the Viper drives like, so mm-hmm. I think that's that's yeah. easy. Yeah, yeah. But you've got some driving to do, something that resonates and something that when you walk out to the garage, you are truly conflicted. Mm, yes, I agree. I want it I to agree. be difficult. Yes. Like, yes. Ugh, I want it to take 30 minutes <laughs> before you finally select the keys. And then you think you're still doing it wrong. The, the only reason you picked that car is because your wife took the other one. I mean, there this, we is, go. this is the kind of conversation. I don't want you ever to think, this is the problem with the old vet and some of this other stuff. I don't want you to have one that's like, I, I don't know if I want to drive that one. Maybe another day. You need, yeah, I agree with you, Paul. You need to stand there in the doorway of the garage and be like, I just don't know. We recommend inner turmoil for you, Jim. Happy hunting. A big shout out to John Prendergast in Maine who writes to us late December 2023. He says in the liner notes for Englishman in New York by Sting, he paraphrased a friend who lamented no one commits crime with style anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Only in the movies, right? Yeah. The getaway cars have got to, they got to blend, right? Yeah. Crime with style. Does anyone do the modern equivalent of the Mercedes 300 SEL 6.3 where one can steal the jewels without announcing it from a block, a mile, or a time zone away? (laughs) John, thank you for writing. Really appreciate it. And then there's also Alex S. in Philadelphia who writes to us Christmas Day. He wants to do some test driving from auto automatic to learn manual. Mm. He's recently been thinking about trading in his 2021 Volkswagen GLI DCT to buy a manual two-door car. Mm. More power, fewer doors, the car enthusiast dream. But the issue is he cannot comfortably drive a manual car to be able to do a test drive. Okay. He wants to try a Mustang and a Camaro because those are the main options in his $25,000 price range. So what things should he look for when test driving an automatic that can be applied to the manual transmission counterpart? Well, you can't compare shift points and automatics uh, extract power out of an engine more. So the really the best thing you can do is put that automatic in manual mode. That's about the closest you can do mm. to hold a gear because that's what you're going to be doing in manual mode. You're going to be holding onto that gear. You get to decide. It's the overriding of the automatic. You have to. You're you right, have to good. tell it what to do rather than just waiting for it to shift. Because Camaro says, well, that 10-speed automatic, it extracts more bounty out of the engine. It, well, maybe. I'm pretty good at with a, with a manual. I can, I'm pretty good at extracting <laughs> with a 6 Watch me extract, okay, <laughs> with using my left foot. It's going to be amazing. Here goes. Yeah. I also think it's important, Alex, to make sure that you are driving the same engine that you would possibly buy with a manual. <laughs> EcoBoost and a dark horse. Seriously, yeah, you don't don't com- don't <laughs> right. try to compare and contrast those. Yeah. And Paul's right. You're going to have to force that that transmission to stay in gears longer than it ever wants to. I mean, the ratios will not be the same. They won't be the same. But what you're going to find when you're driving a manual is you're just going to stay in gears longer than an auto ever will. Mm-hmm. So you're definitely going to need to do that. And then start thinking about the things that aren't related to the manual. Because what you're actually assessing is, do I want to buy this car? Yeah. Uh When you start driving it in manual mode, you're not going to like it as much as you currently are in the auto because you're going to be struggling and frustrated and a little bit embarrassed with not knowing how to drive it in manual form. So think about all the intangibles. Do I like how I sit here? Am I comfortable? Do I want to be seen in this? Do I like the engine note? What's the handling like? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because you will eventually get to a place where you know how to drive the manual well enough that it'll become subconscious and then it becomes sublime. But you won't be there for a bit. So think about all the other things that make you interested in the car and then know you're going to have to go backwards, hopefully not literally, you have to go backwards to then build back up to the place where it becomes subconscious. That's good. 
Four questions. Joe Reyes on Instagram says, when a car is offered as a convertible, do we prefer soft tops or hard tops? Does weight or other factors affect the decision? The truth is I actually prefer hard top convertibles if we're just talking about a convertible because I think they're far more versatile and useful all the time. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. I am prone to think about soft tops because it is so much of a weight and complication savings. Once you sit in a Miata, soft top, and you drop the top with one arm in a Miata, you pretty much go, why has everybody else screwed this up so bad? Why can nobody else figure this out? When you reach over your shoulder and you one arm, grab the top of a Miata and you pull it over the top and you go clip, clip. When my dad had a couple of E-types early in life. What's wrong with the rest of you? Seriously, it was like a procedure to pull off the side of the road and drop that top. The two of us were involved. There was folding. There was concern about where creases was. It was also my father. Kind of like the Elise, though. I mean, you kind of inherited yes, that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, and the Elise, is, I can do it pretty fast, but it's it's ridiculously complicated. It's, it's not origami. It's not at all. Right. The right. Miata is the simplest soft top ever. And I will say, as much as I like hard top convertibles, anytime I think about what is the right convertible top, I just go, well, that one on the Miata, everybody else is just trying to figure it out. <laughs> Jared Rose one asks us if we ever foresee an all Porsche road trip or episode mm. comparing and contrasting the difference between the Cayman and the 928 or even even expanding it to include the other Porsches that aren't the 911. There's other Porsches that aren't 911s. Crazy. Mm. He says he knows it's a weird match of a cars, but feels like it could prompt interesting discussion. I think it could too, but we always have to run it through the filter of would people watch? Yeah. Because yeah. when we get really, really, really super niche into things, Porsche, any car mm-hmm, company, mm-hmm. It only appeals to those people who either own those cars or have the slightest flicker of interest in them. Beyond that, many people would be like, eh, pass. Well, let's think about it this way. People that don't like Porsches won't watch that episode. And then people that love Porsches but think Porsche is synonymous with 911 also won't watch that episode. So we've lost all non-Porsche fans and most of the Porsche fans. So what we're left with is the people that like niche Porsches and the people that just like watching stuff we do. And thank you for those those that like to just watch So that's the three of us at least. That's at least Jared and and Jared, (laughs) which I appreciate it, Jared. And and these are are the conversations that we get into all the time, but it's the difference between, this is why Topic Tuesdays exists, it's the difference between that jump of conversations, which is so fun and easy to do and cheap. And taking the time to shoot, produce, mm-hmm. and release and realize, oh, there's no audience for this, is there? This is why we select comparisons that have some kind of outlier that maybe isn't similar mm-hmm. or it, it, it's just enough of a cacophonous thing. Like, we're That's just scratch. a little oddball. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Just, why is we that like here? That. And then we present the reason. Oh, well, did you know you can also spend the same amount of money and get that? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't think about it that way. Or, you know what? This has the exact power output these other two do for mm-hmm. more or less money. Or yeah, some yeah, little yeah. twist on it. That's why we like including and usually doing a three-car comparo. Two cars is good. Mm-hmm. Many times we settle on two cars and it's appropriate. Just how it works out. Yeah. Elantra N, Civic Type R. Just kind of makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. we're always wanting to expand it. It's hard to do. It's hard to corral all those cars at the same moment. But we always feel like it's really worth it and it broadens the audience. It broadens interest mm-hmm. for most people that are the slightest open-minded. Even if you're not and you just kind of want to see, okay, I'm still in the Corvette camp or the Lotus camp yeah, or the yeah, yeah. BMW camp or whatever. But you know what? There's some good points to be made here. That's the kind of discussion that we like igniting. 
I have to call out the dad spec on Instagram for noting you did your cool, uh, you put the, the power clear wipers on your expo. Oh, yeah, yeah. You did the posting of that. And you took off the red plastic cover that comes, of course, on the actual rubber wiper part. And the dad spec on Instagram, I'm giving you a hat tip because you said you're wondering if the Challenger Charger fans of the world will keep the red protector on the wiper blade. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, you know, I, I have to say, look, I, am, I, I try really hard as a human to let everybody be in their own lane, okay? <laughs> Do your own thing. And I also try to never like enforce my will on anyone else. <laughs> the place I have struggled with this the most, I, I, I'm the making a joke. Exception. I'm making a joke and I'm not making a joke. I, whenever I see those on a parked car, those yellow covers on the lower Protectors. rockers, I, I, have, I have to almost physically restrain myself from going over there and peeling them off and laying them on the wipers just to be like, I'm sorry, but I've done you a public service. The <laughs> number of times I have walked by those cars and then turned around and walked back and then turned around and been like, no, no, and walked away. I can't even count. It really <laughs> bugs me. We sure appreciate all your questions. You know where to write to us. We like it when you drop us a line, you think yeah, about some fun. kind of piece of news. You know, flying cars are back in our lives. We're all going to have a... <laughs> Thank Super God. expensive was, flying car with a parachute. If that can be autonomous, then it would really make my world right. I can't wait. And it's going to have a glass floor to freak you out even more. for the fact you're not in an airplane or a helicopter. What am I in? <laughs> That's coming soon. So good news, everyone. Cars are out. They're, they're just right out. Thanks for listening. We're done with cars, apparently. <laughs> Cheers, everyone. Cheers, everyone.